Namaste. So just to give a little background of this particular topic or title, this is uh, actually a message which the mother gave to Chipma. So when Chipma was founded, uh, I think 1960 or 62, the mother spoke of Chipma as an extension of sorts and she was asked to give a message and she gave this message truth cures of course she gave in french and the english translation is truth cures so it's a very fascinating message and uh, when i came to know about it um you know i am not sure if if this message is there in the collected works but i have confirmed this uh, from the jipmar authorities and since then i have been just wondering that what a profound and significant message this is the truth cures with that if we go to a little background There is another place where she says illness is a falsehood of the body. In fact, she says if illness is a falsehood of the body, then doctors are soldiers of truth, and medicine is a priesthood. So the profession of medicine she sees as a priesthood, and all the processes that a, a typical doctor is supposed to use in whatever branch. It's not about allopathy, homeopathy, Ayurveda. It's like a ritual. and through these rituals we are actually invoking the healing power so i found this image very very powerful and very beautiful and i'll come to it subsequently but first how is illness a falsehood so um, falsehood uh, is basically that which either distorts truth perverts truth or it uh, imitates truth that is the other aspect of falsehood so all these three it opposes the entry of truth all these uh, ways of falsehood which enter into the body at a certain point of time when does it uh, enter it enters possibly uh, actually it enters with conception itself because uh, even in the seeds of heredity a false way by false is meant there is a straight direct law of truth which must unfold in the body that's how we see in animals so the body has been programmed in a certain way and it should in a normal logical course it should live it should live healthy and after a certain point of time going through four seasons it it would decline and pass away uh, you know for the soul to take other bodies so this is how the uh, nature has planned it you know disease suffering evil is not kind of in the original plan i mean it's there as a possibility it's not an inevitability so possibility is there and that possibility comes in so how does it come in from conception itself there could be Uh, many things to which the child is exposed in the womb the body while it is being formed is exposed in the womb and it could be uh, you know from the thoughts and of the parents uh, their ambitions to their fights quarrels all these things uh, are having an impact upon the body and so by the time it comes certain tendencies traits have already entered into it apart from what the child has brought from the previous life Uh, this knowledge is not to give uh, any kind of guilt to parents but to understand so that we can you know live better and then as the child grows up the uh, more and more the natural instinct of the body which is there given already to the body by nature that begins to get corrupted so for example i have seen that children when they grow up uh, they suddenly go through phases when they demand a certain kind of food they need it um it's because their body has uh, understand that there is this chemical which is required and they you know many many children who do this pika they uh, you know 
it lime from the wall and <laughs> now there is no lime so there is no pika but uh, they used to you know uh, take this lime sometimes they would like to eat little earth um so all this because the body has a natural instinct this instinct is a reflex of truth uh, just like in animal this instinct is a reflex of an intuition which is given to the body and because this body has developed over millenniums trilleniums of evolutionary process so it is endowed with certain instinct that's how we have food we have hunger um and we have uh, thirst and you know there are natural tendencies reflexes but as uh, this body is brought up by parenting through the process of parenting parents start introducing their own ideas and that starts corrupting the file of the body so the first level at which we find that falsehood begins to enter is when the child is very small and we start consulting all kinds of diet programs nowadays we have very fancy diets and i don't want to talk about them you know um, so you know the mind believes that it can know better and do better so we have all these fancy diets based on so called studies and as a result we start corrupting the natural instinct of the body at a very very young age and so by the time the body grows up the i'm just talking of the body it tends to already react in ways which it would not otherwise um, there are strange possibilities in the human body which gets uh, spoiled as we grow up for example um, you know children don't have this idea of tetanus they don't have this this idea of you know what happens when you fall they don't have this idea of you know fear this fear comes as they grow up so uh, i have read some very interesting instances that where when there was a blast and children fell from uh, uh, an aircraft and children tend to have a much greater uh, survival because the body has a certain plasticity it just adjusts to many kinds of circumstances it won't happen always but it's a fairly common things um, uh, i have seen um, actually uh, i i read about it and then went a little more into detail children who are brought up in a village with snakes all around so for some reason or the other they develop a rapport with the snakes and uh, you know they hardly there are hardly incidents of snake bite and they grow up uh, as if like they are uh, one with nature but tendency of mind is to cut ourselves off from nature for example one of the things that is uh, happened in today's times is that we are cut off from the sun and the sun is the most natural rejuvenator vitamin d leave aside that but even otherwise sun is known to be an immune booster but more and more our habits tendencies have got such with air condition and all that that we have begun to slowly withdraw and cut ourselves as if we are separate from nature we are separate from the totality of creation so it starts reflecting in the entire range of lifestyle but this is not true so the first falsehood is that we are separate uh, and we the this whole creation is meant to just serve our needs it is it may appear very strange because so natural in human you know with the human mind whereas if from childhood we uh, understand that well we are one with nature and we are part of her creation there is a linkage between us and the whole world life would be very different and uh, i can i can share a few examples from my own childhood uh, we used to um go in the morning to pluck flowers for uh, dad's puja and um, we we just four five of us used to go and we were instructed go barefoot 
Now, you know, today's times we can't imagine going barefoot. Because there used to be grass and we were told that if you walk on the grass barefoot, it's good for, good for the eyes and good for... And we used to go, we used to enjoy, we never had any issues. And there were two open wells from which we, we used to drink water. And we had developed even a rapport with the well, you know, because one well was meant for bathing, another well was meant for drinking water. They were both open wells. And there were trees with which, you know, we could speak and, you know, communicate. It's not, we were not speaking to the trees. Uh, but at the same time, there was some kind of a, oh, this, that tree. Now, there, there, is, there was a kind of connectedness with everything around. That connectedness over a period of time gets lost as we grow, uh, you know, more and more into a kind of life where uh, we have become more and more isolated and cut off from the rest of the world. So, this is one level of falsehood which has become so prevalent in, in times that we live in. Now we are, of course, fortunately, a whole cycle is complete, the cycle of mind. And we are once again reconnecting, you know, many of the things, for instance, habits. Uh, uh, I was uh, saying the other day that, you know, um, we as, it, as children grew up eating with your hand. And uh, we didn't know that it is non-hygienic uh, because uh, our hands and fingers were the things which we could clean ourselves to the extent that we wanted which we could not ensure with spoon and fork. And apart from relishing the whole thing, it was something which automatically it's clean. It's You are eating in a plate where, you know, in, in southern side you also have the banana leaves and all this. So there was a complete connectedness. That connectedness, uh, losing that connectedness is the first falsehood because life is not like that. It, it is... Uh, if we take the language of the Upanishads, then this is this is the sin. If there is any sin, now there is nothing wrong in an individual life affirming itself. But individual life affirming itself at the expense of the rest, that is where the problem lies. Because as long as the individual affirms himself, uh, lives for, you know, it, it has to do what it needs to do for its survival, for its even its affirmation, even its assertion. But it should be by taking into account this vaster truth of existence that, well, I am part of this all life and I have a right to, you know, exist and assert, but not at the expense of another other life forms. And now we can see that backlash has started. So, um, you know, most of these viruses, now we are, now there is a third virus, it's jumping from animals to humans. So, there is that interconnectedness we lost because we started regarding ourselves as separate. Now, there is a difference between individual and being separate. An individual can be part of a whole. My finger is, has its own unique function, each finger, and yet it is part of the whole. But if the finger begins to feel it is separate and distinct, that's where we have cancer because it, in its effort to affirm itself, it begins to multiply and multiply and multiply and starts eating the resource of the rest of the body. And therefore, we have a cancerous condition which needs to be uh, corrected in different ways. So, this first attitude wherein one is that I am separate and the world is meant to cater to my selfish needs and the other where I am part of a larger whole and yet I am an individual. It doesn't threaten my individuality. It enriches me. So this and this um, this shift of attitude, uh, you know, incorporates itself in multiple ways, and it's too vast a subject to deal with. But this is the fundamental uh, thing that the body must grow up with, not with this idea that everything around is a threat and everything around is a danger and everything around is going to, you know, uh, 
uh, as if um, trying to finish us right from childhood. About food, I have seen nowadays so much. I have seen children grow up on you know uh, pure so-called organics. Now you know uh, the natural ways in which we grew. The mind is interfering with that programming, and uh, this is not something healthy over a period of time. So this is the first falsehood. Second level at which we find falsehood is where. we have both individually in our own minds and life as well as a very collective formations which are not good for the body and they need to be removed for example um, i have you know in myself i have had to work this out and still working when you have a food which you like very much there is a tendency to eat a little more now your body doesn't really need it but the vital pushes it pure by desire now this desire there is very something very interesting the mother says desires irritate the organs this is a study i have made upon my own body it does irritate the organs uh, excess vital energy it tends to accumulate around the belly and you know the belly tends to increase when there is uh, this kind of a uh, great drive sometimes you know even ambition so there is a tendency for desires to irritate the organ it falsifies things greed greed tends to uh you know make certain cells grow abnormally rapidly fear fear also tends to make these cells grow you know i have uh, seen that you know certain cells which uh, sometimes the nerves get entrapped and become a cause of chronic pain because the body is overreacting overreacting because of fear in corona we have the uh, we have had these deaths of course if you ask people uh, well meaning doctors uh, they know that well fear and panic was one of the things but they won't use that language they will say well people panicked uh, you know we had a cascading effect they were hyper reaction of the immune system because of which the lungs were attacked the lungs uh, did not die so much of the virus as it died because the body cells was attacking and destroying it so why this happened because of fear now fear is a not only an individual suggestion but collective suggestion so we see falsehood coming from different sources at one place the mother says that there are people the moment they go to a hospital she says she doesn't like hospitals much and i i mean it's my experience uh, very much both as growing up as a doctor and subsequently working in hospitals that the atmosphere you know breathes of disease it doesn't breathe of health and at some point of time i used to wonder that if there could be healing spaces rather than hospitals uh, probably they will come up at some point of time but right now we have hospitals hospitals are completely disease oriented and the moment you go you will see a whole formation of diseases the doctors the diseases live in their minds they are not only in the books so the moment they see a patient their mind begins to work and i have seen very well meaning doctors you know they don't know the cause of certain diseases and yet because they have learnt it that way they look at it only from one dimension probably if they didn't look at it as diseases but simply as disorders uh, there is a difference disease is something which you fix there is a name it's an illness you have this particular illness but another way to look at it is that there is a disorder that's why there is an imbalance and this disorder can be corrected by bringing in the consciousness of order and harmony so that's where you know mother says that there are many certain diseases which we consider as very serious but they are not serious from the yogic point of view but certain other conditions which seemingly are not so serious but they are very difficult to cure yogically and there's a whole way of looking at life very often people wonder if if yogis can uh, talk about an illness predict an illness or cure it 
uh, in a certain way. But for the yogic vision, it doesn't appear as an illness. That's the problem. If we ask a yogi that whether this is diabetes or hypertension, he will not, I mean, he, he can know about it because he can see the formation. But that's not how he is looking at it. He is looking at it simply as waves which are going in a disorderly way. Now, we have given a name and we have fixed it. But that's that itself is a falsehood. So, the yogi doesn't look at it and therefore he can cure it. Because he is not burdened with this idea of oh, this is an incurable disease. But on the side of the patient, there has to be a receptivity, openness and faith. Countless examples which I am aware of in, in terms of uh, how people you know, responded to the mother's working. And that's why he said, finally, it is faith that cures. So, But by now, our minds and our uh, vital is so much uh, tied up in this formation of illness. Even in this formation that everything must die, everything must decline, you know, age will catch up. All these thoughts, there is a whole world of formations. And to get rid of this formation, because it's very collective, even if individually you try to get rid of it, there are people around. And I have seen that people have this strange tendency, as mother says, ignorant goodwill. So, um, often I met people who, the first thing they'll notice is, Aapka weight nahi hai, uh, gaya hai ya ghat gaya hai, you know, something or the other they will remark. It's okay, don't look at it. You know, they will start looking as if they have an eye to pick up something which is in their eye not right, and they can implant a suggestion and which is not a very good or healthy thing. So, falsehood enters through so many doors, but one door through which it enters is unconsciousness. So, we have you know, in in uh, in yoga, in, in the yogic parlance, we have these four uh, opponents of truth. So, one is falsehood, then there is unconsciousness, there is suffering, um, there is death, of course. So, all of them work in a combined way. So, unconsciousness opens a door. We are not even aware that something is going wrong. We are not even aware that certain attitudes, certain tendencies, certain formations are attacking us, even habits. And therefore, through unconsciousness, the door of unconsciousness falsehood enters. The other door, as I said, is suffering. There is a love for suffering. It may sound very paradoxical. But there are people who almost take a, you know, they feel that they must suffer. They have, I have met people with uh, illnesses and when you go to the core, you ask them, did you have death wish? Oh, I had it number of times. People don't realize that these things are having an impact upon the body. And every wish will, it goes into the subconscious store and stays there. And it will come up at, at a time when we least want it. So we are swimming in a mass of uh, vibrations, many of them full of ill will, uh, fear, adverse suggestions. And all these come to contradict the natural truth and the natural law of truth which wants to unfold in the body. So this is uh, the second level at which we find um, illnesses coming up. And the third level is that whenever there are uh, higher states, um, diviner states, they want to act upon the body to heal it. We see that there is a strong resistance in the body. Body is very closed. It's not open and receptive. So these are the three levels at which we see that um, uh, falsehood attacks, enters and prevents the entry of truth. You know, it's not only soul, but even the body is a battlefield. It is the Kurukshetra. 
So what are we to do? How do we invoke truth? First is we must removing these uh, formations, a formidable task. We should try to feel the body's own natural instinct. One of the things which uh, is not again depends on each one, but it's not such a easy thing to do. But simply to go by the hunger. Now you know it's corrupted. I know about myself. I have fixed timings at which I must eat. But if you really go by, is the body really hungry? You discover that no, it's not hungry. How much is it hungry? It's hungry only for this much. But you want to eat because later on, you know, it's something like a ritual one must complete. So to bring back the body's own natural instincts uh, is the first task where we must remove all these. They come over years and years, you know. For instance, uh, uh, in an A4 setup, I have fixed mess timings. So I have to eat at that point of time. So, you know, the body gets used to a certain pattern, habituated. And then it begins to eat purely by habit, not by hunger. So to once again bring back, hunger is the natural instinct of the body, which tells us in a true way what we need and what we don't need. Um, uh, another, even about thirst, a lot of elderly people, they suffer, um, you know, because they don't get to know that they are thirsty. With air-conditioned setup, it is so common. One uh, forgets drinking water because for some reason, people believe that everything is fine. We associate thirst with heat. There is no heat, but nevertheless, the body needs water. So we should once again bring back these very natural um, instincts of the body which are basically as i said they are reflex of an intuition hidden in the body itself our body contains it and if we bring it out its need for exercise its need for rest its need for food in a certain way its need for water these very few things it needs and if you provide it a lot of uh, problems can be sorted out uh, that's what we call as a lifestyle change then there is a need to look very sincerely where are the hidden doors where where are the places corners in which falsehood is hiding it hides uh, the mother uses the word insincerity say for instance there is a desire late night party i'm giving an example so first there is a justification oh i have to go for that party or oh, it's a social thing but none of these things is true something in the vital is attracted and drawn towards it and it's only later on that if we are very sincere, we'll discover that, well, uh, my vital is fooling me. It's playing a game. So one has to go deep. She uses the word, it's like a surgery. So we go deep. There is something hiding there like a little warm. There are two instances, uh, uh, you know, which I know of, uh, many of them, but two particularly, that someone went to the mother and complained about some problem in the abdomen. And she looked, she just looked and the lady was saying it was like, you know, my whole body was being scorched as if, you know, it was on fire. But then within a few hours, everything went off permanently. Shobindo, where, you know, he sees that little worm in the appendix area, it's wriggling and there is a subtle hand which picks it up and throws it far away. And the person says, my pain is gone, my pain is gone. A third instance where the person himself told me, um, the the first instance also directly I have heard from the person who was present in whom this surgery was conducted. And the third instance again, someone who, uh, who used to experience suddenly, uh, he used to have a lot of fear and he was having a series of dreams. 
so he went to the mother and said, you know, I have a lot of fear, I have a lot of fear. Mother wouldn't say anything. And then suddenly on his toe, there was a big boil which had started coming up. And it was very painful. So he went to the mother and uh, he showed this particular boil. And the mother looked at it and he says, my whole body was on fire. So uh, it was like adding fire to injury, not salt to injury. Of course, this was a purifying fire. And then he goes and says, I am very afraid, very afraid. And the mother says, if you are so afraid, you cannot do yoga. Now he was uh, in great agony that look here, I have come for yoga and it seems I am unfit for yoga because of the fear. So then he goes and says, mother, uh, what is the remedy? And she told him, you go away from here. And he says that as he started going away, within by the time he had reached a little distance, 50% of his problem was gone. And then by the time he reached his village, 100% was gone. Of course, he eventually came back. He joined the ashram and uh, mother accepted. So, there is this, this, the way this falsehood works, it closes, shuts the doors to grace, shuts the doors to the action of truth. It takes that action of truth as something which hurts and tortures, whereas it is like a surgery which is being done upon us. So, this is where these fears which we justify, call it very natural, normal, Fear is the greatest impurity and the mind so often justifies it. And the doctors further more and more, you know, uh, they, they reinforce it. The books reinforces, the media, the newspapers reinforces. So it requires a great sincerity to observe. Greed, the cause of many tumors. Ambition, another kind of reason. Vanity, one of the causes for both psychological as well as physical illnesses. So, to discover that there is vanity inside and to remove it. There are instances where people used to go into possession states, which of course in psychiatry we use different terminology uh, and I don't want to use those names. Uh, but then the mother would remove the possession, but then the person would feel, uh, I'm now nobody. I have met such people. And because of the possessions, they started feeling they are somebody and someone. So they wanted this. There was this concealed vanity. And when you remove it, there is a tendency to call it back. And this falsehood works in strange ways. Even medicines, they do have an effect because at the physical level, they do block the entries of these adverse forces. And then I have seen patients, when you use these medicines because these adverse forces, these harmful forces, these vibrations are unable to enter, in that spot they enter in another way. And the person believes that, no, I must give up all these medicines. Stops the medicines and then again the entry doors are open and there is relapse. So it's a very complex um, uh, play of web of forces in which the human consciousness is caught. So what is the remedy? Of course, we can't isolate ourselves. And we cannot uh, uh, ultimately, you know, uh, not supposed to live a life where we are cut off from everything and everyone. So it's not even desirable. Besides, even that would not be the perfect uh, way to live. Uh, there are instances, yogi try to do that, but that's not what we should do. So, what is the remedy? Remedy is to surround ourselves in an atmosphere of truth. That's the most important thing. We should be bathing in that sea of truth every day, take a dip, take a bath, so that all these formations are washed away. Two, two three very simple ways to wash away this formation is, one is of course water. 
water tends to wash away many of these formations so morning and evening if you take at least twice a bath some people advise taking bath before night and i think it's a very good practice because the whole day's vibrations we wash away so that's a very simple way air air is another thing which uh, you know uh, through a free ventilation see in olden times what was the advice and though they didn't know the principle when people had tuberculosis uh, they were advised to go to the mountains even now people advise go to a place which is well ventilated so what happens when there is well ventilation there is a free movement of wind and the wind is another thing which drives away then there is mud bath now very interesting in these some of these practices you see there is a profound truth which is hidden so what does mud do how how is it that people take a mud bath and feel better see this is something which you have lost as child like in vouchsafe there is such a joy in playing in the mud nowadays of course some schools are incorporating it where children play with the mud so how does mud help so mud helps by this i know this was scandalized oh it's very unhygienic <laughs> how does mud help falling in the mud getting up then yes you take a thorough bath nobody is saying remain in the mud and it's not about dirt there is a difference between mud and dirt so when you um, bathe in the mud or play in the mud you know nowadays these sand pits are created mud has this property of absorbing things so many of the things which are harmful mud earth it just absorbs it and when it absorbs it 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 is a kind of cleansing you come take a bath and you know things are fine then there is another fourth way just exposure to the sun it is being found now recently i forget where i was uh, reading somewhere that you know every day if you just sit with uh, you know gazing at the sun with your eyes closed of course for maybe 15 20 minutes it is such a good immune booster so these are natural elements and the balance is disturbed that's how ayurveda works on this principle of tridoshas so tridoshas is basically vad pitt ka what is it it's basically they there are five elements and they are disturbed and when they are disturbed there is a problem space even physical space the space we are living in the space there should be enough space uh, you know that's why in hospital we don't advise beds which are very close the same happens in living conditions and allow this little space now obviously in a uh, in a poor family it may be difficult but always we can come out and then step out into the um open fields that's how many of these children rejuvenate when they come out and they uh, run about so we we are beginning to discover some of these lost habits and then of course the last is fire now fire is something very interesting fire destroys a lot of things but obviously outer fire is out of question uh, though the light of the sun is one kind of fire it's 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 an energy which heals but definitely there can be an inner fire and that's where i come back to mother's aphorism where she says that medicine is a priesthood so the doctors are priests so priest always invariably you have this yagya in which things are being poured so this aspiration in which we can offer things this is the yogic way so if one discovered that there is a desire there is a greed there is a physical illness also and one discovers behind the physical illness what are the false movements and wrong movements then one lights up this inner fire of course we can't light the inner fire for this purpose the inner fire is always for ascension but the moment this fire which is lit up there are three spaces at which this fire is found one is in the home of truth what shivendu calls as the supramental of course that is not easy to access and that is working in its own way the second which is in the cave of the heart this is the easiest place and the third is in the depths of matter which is how kundalini practices work 
because it awakens the fire and this fire has a capacity to burn away the disease the seeds of illness what are these seeds it can even work upon the hereditary factors see that is the whole story of ashtavakra who is bent at different angles it can burn away even those seeds if sufficiently awakened now kundalini practices are specialized and definitely not recommended without a proper living guide and in this yoga we don't uh, practice kundalini from below upward but from above downwards but i have seen this that as the force descends and as the centers open in those areas the false movements tend to be replaced by the right automatically and when it comes down into the body when the body begins to become aware of all the knots of falsehood which are there and automatically a working starts and things which we thought are normal natural and part of life they begin to show us up those grains slippery grains and they tend to be rejected automatically so this is the process but at least the fire in the uh, heart that is something we can light up and every day if we can sit uh, you know with this uh, attitude with this aspiration that there is this fire which is burning we can have an image it is burning away all the impurities my thoughts feelings physical movements greed desires fears every time we have a fear we offer it into the fire corona may happen okay offer this fear and the corona and the virus into it it has an instantaneous effect even we can invoke the forces of harmony and order i have seen um, when you know somebody comes in with what we call as infection which is nothing but an invasion of the adverse forces and you become aware because as you grow in consciousness you become aware so just by that awareness one can know whether this infection is of what kind uh, how serious it is but when it tends to enter you can feel a little dizziness bit of uneasiness bit of headache uh, early signs may appear sometimes a smell so what is to be done just stay quiet inwardly close the eyes just stay quiet inwardly call a whole mantle of peace peace is so curative and so liberative so every day just to call peace just peace 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 shanti 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 even in the organs shanti 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 with regard to stomach mother says catch hold of a peace deep within and push it deep inside the stomach it is a very i mean just requires being little aware of the psychological movements why is the stomach getting irritated by unkind thoughts we have all held it inside us so instead of burning somebody else it is burning us people burn themselves with jealousies they burn themselves with hatred they burn themselves with you know um, unkind thoughts so when we bring peace so it's so curative there is an irritated irritation in the organ there is a you know any of the organs there is pain to just open it up like a knot and open to the light all these are ways through which truth can trickle in just this light or peace and this peace if we invoke it has an effect not only within us but in the environment it means new ways of healing if not today tomorrow we are going to discover so instead but it doesn't work like oh i have a sinus let me call truth it doesn't work like that because uh, it's a formation we are having in the vision of truth it is not sinus oh i have a heart attack how do i invoke truth 
again that's that's not uh, the way to look at it but just to hold the hand of a patient and just quietly call for peace 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 it is a part to get transmitted it's like any other uh, if we form a link we can send it even by thoughts but we can do it much more concretely if if there is proximity of physical space so there are forces of truth which realign us but yes there is a tendency for us to go back to falsehood that's the other part you know certain falsehoods are so deep rooted habitually even when it has been completely removed we have recovered we have a tendency to get back now that's a long story uh, which basically is the fight between the constructive forces and the destructive forces so particularly in times that we live in we see there is almost a race between the divine constructive forces and the destructive forces so here again the more we align with destructive forces they have a havoc upon our own body that's why anger is harmful it is harmful for somebody else but it's harmful first for us because when we are angry then we are releasing extremely destructive forces in the atmosphere and if we go to the root of anger we discover there is weakness weakness in the vital we can't contain energy so we immediately burst out so we you know it's like a pressure cooker effect and we think we have released but because we release every time the same energy gets drawn into the vacuum some people feel very happy oh i am you know they feel relieved after they have let off the anger steam yes they are they are fine for some time but because they have not replaced that empty spot with the vibration of truth and peace and light so it's like an empty spot by habit the same force runs again into the system again the same process follows they release it burst out it goes somewhere it goes into the world to create destruction and then again the same thing and it's like a vicious cycle but every time it grows more and more so to replace the vibrations of falsehood with vibrations of truth to replace hatred with love jealousy with love fear with faith anger with peace and strength the reverse of anger is strength and peace so love heals love is a vibration of truth again harmony to replace the disorder and chaos you know i can um, say in the in the at the mind level one can see how contradictory thoughts can remain in a person and people are not even aware i have seen people who speak about shurbindo and in the same uh, this thing suddenly they will speak about shankaracharya's whole you know mayavad and they are very fine with it many kinds of contradictory elements they must find their right place it's not that anything is to be discarded but it must be in its right place and due to these contradictory movements inside they begin to tell upon the body so what do we do we every day we should aspire if we cannot aspire we pray if we cannot even pray prayer is a beautiful thing given to human beings i feel among the most beautiful gifts that is given to human beings is the power of prayer i'm sure animals pray sometimes it looks like they pray but they cannot articulate prayer is something articulated aspiration doesn't need to be articulated so just to pray pray for peace for harmony for light for truth and then slowly the action of all these higher forces truth is supreme harmony and delight 
one of the ways we can understand that the force of truth is weakening in us is by depression and sadness. We may give hundred excuses, but depression and sadness is a sign that we are plunged into falsehood. And what is that error that happens during depression? Acute egoism. The same malady from which we started. The feeling that I am separate and distinct from this whole creation and the creator. It starts from there. I am all important to myself. So if we can replace this vibration with the vibration of harmony. Harmony includes everything within and around. That's why one of the best prayers with regard to, you know, there are set of peace mantras we see in the Upanishads. One of them. So it says that... Uh, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina, Sarve Santu Niramya. Because I don't exist in isolation. If people around me are unhappy, unhealthy, it is going to affect me. So, Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina, Sarve Santu Niramya. Then again it says, May I hear the auspicious, may I see the auspicious. It's so beautiful because every time things enter into my eye, there is a tendency for my eye to take a certain angle of vision and see only that which is dark. And it indulges in pessimism. Same thing when I hear things. So instead of that, let me develop an eye for beauty in people, beauty in this world, beauty in the surrounding. There are some people who become cynics. Everything in the world is bad, horrible. So instead of that, to have an eye for beauty, to hear and pick up those notes, which are just the notes of beauty. There is a very interesting little experience that the mother recounts in the agenda. When the Beatles group had come to play, you know, they had 60s, this music had started. Normally we have this, oh, this is so horrible. Of course, heavy metal is a different thing that took a different turn altogether. But when people went to the mother and they wanted to um, make a listen to the record of some of this music, she would pick up certain notes and say, this is beautiful. Even in that, you pick up certain notes they, when we begin to see truth and we begin to seek harmony, points of harmony within us and in the world around us, then we begin to get healed because truth is supreme harmony and supreme delight. Truth is peace. Truth is love. Truth is light. It's not about a bare truth. Truth always sets things right. So this ability to look at oneself objectively and to see where there are things which need to be corrected, set right. With the eye of sincerity. Not with the, you know, some people get very depressed when they see it. No, the grace is there. It will take care of it. But our work is to discover it and put it in the fire. That is the yajna which is going on in the body. The body is, in fact, um, is described as human life as the uh, house of sacrifice. This is actually the Yajnavedi or the temple. We want to put it any which way. It is the Yajnavedi. But there is no fire. Whatever little fire is there, we are just feeding to uh, not the original priest, but to desire self. So desire self is not the real priest. It is the uh, titan who has come and sat in place of the priest. Even the mind is not the priest, though the mind is like a substitute. You know, when before... In in, uh, in in you know in musical circles you will see this that sometime when you go when before the master has come there are people who are setting the instruments right 
and if you don't know you feel oh wow here is the master but master is yet to come and when he comes when the instruments are set right then he starts playing so mind is also not the priest in this house of sacrifice the priest is the psychic being and that's why the mother insists on bringing out the psychic being because that alone can automatically heal show us what needs to be seen offer with this complete trust and reliance on the divine that well the divine will heal what what uh, you know whatever be our present state the divine can cure he can heal and he removes things from the roots i'll close with these lines from savitri you know uh, ashapati has is performing this great sacrifice and through this sacrifice savitri is going to come down and this sacrifice initially he does it for himself it's shobindo's 150th year so let me connect it with that so we see shobindo performing a similar sacrifice yagya first he prepares the ground in baroda then he makes he uh, becomes one with india and the whole indian nation becomes the house of sacrifice with shobindo as the main priest and then he turns the whole earth into a yagyavedi and there there in you know he Uh, offers uh, performs this sacrifice through which things get purified, things get ascend, and so much so that he took into himself all the darkness that was there because somebody has to play that role of offering all these things on behalf of humanity. So he becomes a representative of earth and humanity, absorbs into himself all the poison like Shiva, and offers it on the yagyavedi that is lit in his heart. and his heart has become the whole universe in which all these things are poured in and his body of course as a result of it it's not a because it's a tremendous force that he is bringing down into the system but even when the body is not able to take it it becomes a bridge for the greater consciousness for the supramental truth to come down and at least give us a foretaste of the victory that can come by the vibration of truth 5 December uh, 1950 some people believe that it's the day when shobindo departed uh, one can equally look at it as the first taste four taste of the victory of truth over death because despite the manifestations in the body the body continued to remain for a long time it continued to emit a uh, you know sweet lotus fragrance it didn't show signs of degeneration for a long time it was lit up by Uh, a pinkish golden light so it was the first step towards the victory of course the final victory is something which unfolded over a period of time and that's not what we are here for but if we can at least uh, become a miniature priest we let this psychic being step forward and let it because in this light only we can discover the falsehoods the mind cannot the mind is a convenient mind often plays the devil's advocate it will conveniently give justification excuses to all all kinds of ideas that it carries even scientific evidence will not convince it if it holds on to an idea but if this mind can be which is a priest in the making is a temporary makeshift priest if we can let the psychic being spring forward then it begins to play the cleansing role so in savitri ashupati at the end of the journey in book 3 we see that now he wants even the surface consciousness and the body to be transformed and that's when he we see then then lest a human cry spoil the truth 
from coming in like slippery grains of sand. So what does he do? What does he do? He tore desire up from its bleeding roots and offered to the gods the weakened place. So psyche can show us where the real roots lie. And the roots are all within us. They open the doors through various uh, movements, through various misgivings, through various uh, ideas, which are all a deformation of the truth that is meant to act directly. Even nature as it is today, nature does not uh, let us live in falsehood. But there is something still dark and perverse, which is there at the very root of things. It is this which springs up and the result is illness. The subconscious, the inconscient. Otherwise nature, even if we just allow ourselves to live by the flow of nature, leave aside something higher, leave aside supernature, that we have lost. That is the whole story of Tarzan, where human beings try to recover that state of purity. It's one kind of purity, where they are one with nature. They are not uh, ridden with these mental choices and the consequent guilt and all those things. They live with nature, they flow with it. So there is a movement nowadays where people try to say being with nature. But we can't go back now. Once we have taken this step, we have to grow into the likeness of the gods. We can't go back to the animal state. And this growth into the gods, godlike state, we have to pass through this narrow gorge. But if we want to make this passage smoother and better and happier, relatively free of issues and problems and sufferings, then we have to let the psychic being step out and become the priest of the house of sacrifice that this body is. Earth must transform herself and equal heaven. But or heaven descend into earth, native might, but for this high spiritual change to be, the heavenly psyche must put off her veil and step into common nature's crowded rooms and take the charge of breath and speech and act. That's beautiful, Dr. Locke. Thank you. Wonderful session. Um, actually, I have a question. Uh, basically, how do we reconcile uh, Mother's words yes. that illness is a falsehood to those instances and circumstances where illness serves a constructive purpose, like it's there to help people grow and progress, in a, in a, maybe in a twisted sort of way. But uh, I don't know, how do we reconcile that, those, two, those two circumstances? Yes, yes. So, yes, so absolutely. See, there are two ways human beings can grow. One is the straight path, the sunlit path. But... Um, there is the other backup plan. So, difficult, challenging circumstances are backup plan. So, the law of circumstances works this way. I mean, circumstances, I include illness and the people, um, you know, one is surrounded with. So, there are two ways to look at it. That One is that, uh, uh, you know, if we are able to change inside, the circumstances change. Now, does the circumstances also mean that a physical malady which one has carried through seeds of heredity will change. I do believe it is yet to be proven fully, but to a large extent, at some point of time, it will change. But the body is the last, you know, as you know, the 
vestibule uh, because body is the fortress which has been besieged by the inconscient it has sprung up from there so the inconscient is very strong hold on the body but other than that if you talk about the circumstances of life in terms of the uh, outer situations and things yes certainly if we change within the circumstances change but if we don't change within the circumstances become more and more difficult that's how i look at it and i have had several instances i'll give you two just just two instances of very recent several of them but two which come into my mind two three in fact i was uh, recently talking one 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 instance is where there was this mother and daughter who were always fighting with each other and both were miserable as a result of it then the daughter in around 60s she developed uh, strange kind of neurological illnesses uh, illness but its eventual diagnosis was a kind of alzheimers i am not fully convinced about it but nevertheless she started going downhill but what happened in the process that suddenly her inner soul's beauty came out so this is something still i see and um, you know the mother was very initially disturbed the friends were very disturbed as i see look at her soul just look at her face the way she radiates that inner joy and beauty she cannot calculate she doesn't uh, you know uh, solve complex mathematical problems yes before that she could do it but she is perpetually in one of the most beautiful states that i have seen in people full of goodwill full of generosity no more any quarrels with the mother the mother herself is surprised her whole attitude has changed toward the daughter with whom she used to fight so this is one way i one uh, instance i have seen so i have seen number of people you know going through dementia um even physical illnesses going through paralysis where they discovered that well because of this uh, their inner being had a chance to come out um i know one specific instance um, where somebody went through a stroke and he said i was very restless and i used to just you know run around and but deep within this flame was there there was this need and this suddenly sprang up in and came in the forefront because one couldn't run around because of the paralysis and the last uh, 10 12 years that person really believed that look i mean because this was a grace to me that i've been literally pinned to a small limited uh, i mean he could move out um, people could take him in his in a car but that's not the point he said that i i could take it as a very beautiful message and a lesson now here the body to an extent got healed in the process but more importantly that he took a leap forward and progressed so uh, certainly circumstances which may seem very often paradoxical one they come to show us something and if we really look carefully we'll discover that the law of circumstances they are what they are because something in me needs to grow now i am leaving it open ended what it means to grow it is not about changing circumstances about changing within very frankly when we change within it doesn't matter <laughs> the circumstances may change or don't change but we have learned the lesson and we have grown so that's how i look at it uh, in in our present state of evolution which includes illnesses which includes physical illnesses psychological illnesses are a bit difficult because while we can be objective towards the body it's far more difficult to be objective towards the psychological processes because we are so much identified with the mind but the mother's words are very emphatic all illnesses are falsehood yes absolutely all illnesses are all false. illnesses are false I'm just reconciling it that with this other um 
situation is it's quite it's, it's I think you need need to go go in really deep inside of into this one. Yes, yes, absolutely. All illnesses are false. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Love. Beautiful session. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.